Hello and welcome. You are listening to an informed take on current events brought to you by law students and staff of Queen's University Belfast. This is LawPod. My name is Katie Kennedy, a first year law student here at Queen's, and we're here today with Sonia McMillan from Women's Aid. And today we're going to discuss the work of Women's Aid and as a student focus episode, how students can get involved and support their work. So Sonia, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about the general work of Women's Aid and their aims? Thank you, Katie. It's lovely to be asked to um, be here today. So um, my name is Sonia McMullen. I've worked in Women's Aid for um, quite a few years now. Um, Previous to my post now as Regional Services Manager, I managed the 24-hour Domestic and Sexual Violence Helpline, which began in 1995 and was created out of a need, really, for women and children to um, get crisis um, accommodation. So that's changed a lot now, really, in our work. If we look at our work in the last um, year, 2018 to 2019, you know, Women's Aid supported 6,308 women and 5,966 children. They accessed outreach support, allowing them to stay in their own homes. And 654 women and 421 children stayed in refuge. So I suppose if you go back to 1995 and look at what Women's Aid provision would have been across the whole of Northern Ireland, it would have really been that crisis accommodation, Mm -hmm. looking at um, assessing that risk. And it really was high risk. It had got to that point where it was mostly um, refuge accommodation. Where Women's Aid now across Northern Ireland, we have nine local Women's Aid groups. Um, All that information can be accessed um, from our websites and we're all very present on social media as well. So please do follow us on Twitter and um, Facebook and Instagram. So Women's Aid not only provide refuge emergency accommodation because even with the changes to legislation, we still, you know, home still isn't a safe place for some women and children. So I think we'll always need that. And one of the biggest statistics that was striking for me this year when we did our annual report was 381 women couldn't access refuge because it was full. So that's something, you know, back to um, the numbers coming through. There was also 49 women who accessed support services and refuge that were pregnant. And again, looking at um, the issues around um, domestic violence and pregnancy too. But um, Women's Aid support women, children and young people across the whole of Northern Ireland. Refuge provision is probably the best known service, but there's outreach, floating support um, services as well. We have... um, Prevention um, in our schools as well. We have the Help and Hands programme, which is um, a great programme in Key Stage 2, and it's supported every year through the Department of Education. We also have volunteering opportunities for um, women, um, obviously, in um, our boards. We're all volunteer board-led, and also we have... um, volunteering opportunities within all of the local groups across Northern Ireland, but uh, I can talk to that a little bit later. Um, Within Women's Aid as well, we have um, programmes that we would do, Journey to Freedom, My Life, My Choices, those kind of things about helping people um, rebuild their lives after domestic violence. And they're very well supported as well. Court support um, is another huge thing. 
um, where we um, support women attending family court, criminal proceedings, family proceedings, whatever it may be. And very often women will be in each of those courts, child contact cases as well. So that's um, something that is very, very um, difficult for women to get support to attend court. And it's another volunteering option where many of our women's aid groups across Northern Ireland have volunteers um, doing the, the court support programmes. That's really amazing to hear about all the different things that Women's Aid do to support women. And there's not just maybe the first thing that springs to mind, which is the crisis support. There's all those different aspects. Um, and one of the main things that I've seen particularly on the Women's Aid Twitter, which you should all follow because they're always updating and posting, um, is the absence of coercive control legislation in Northern Ireland. Um, this is something that we've discussed before on LawPod last year. And if you'd like to just remind us about the importance of this and if there's been any progress so far. Yes, in relation to um, coercive control, whenever the general election was called, unfortunately the domestic abuse bill, which was meant to go through um, Parliament, um, got stopped and it got through to the second stage and of course all the legislation that was sitting waiting had to be um, stalled. So that was very disappointing but I suppose Women's Aid seen it as an opportunity and a window of opportunity because the domestic abuse bill all of it wasn't relevant to Northern Ireland. We were getting, yes, we were getting course of control, which we welcomed, but we weren't getting the introduction of a domestic abuse commissioner, which is already in post in England and Wales. We weren't getting powers to deal with domestic violence through the introduction of domestic abuse protection orders and domestic protection notices. We weren't getting safer family courts and child contact systems um, in place. And the biggest one was the grant of secure tenancies in cases of domestic violence where in England and Wales there actually was a budget um, being put in place. So we weren't getting any of these things. So there was no parity, no fairness and no equality for women, children and young people experiencing domestic violence and abuse in Northern Ireland. So we have had a call to action in relation to the general election, which we put out and asked all of our political parties that this election is not just about Brexit. It is about domestic violence. You know, the last estimate was that domestic violence cost 885.7 million was the cost of domestic violence in Northern Ireland. And that's a huge issue. You know, we have police responding to a domestic violence incident every 17 minutes. So not having the same legal remedies in Northern Ireland, it's just not good enough. Not having, um, you know, a government and a functioning assembly isn't cutting it anymore, you know, to be blunt in relation to coercive control. Um, coercive control encompasses so many things around emotional abuse, financial abuse, physical and sexual abuse. And within Women's Aid, we've talked about controlling and coercive behaviours for many, many years. It's been in all of our training around, um, we would use Bitterman's um, chart of coercion. And it would look at those comparables in relation to prisoners of war, in relation to the treatment and control of women experiencing domestic violence. So we do welcome um, coercive control being embedded in legislation in England, Scotland, Wales and indeed in the south of Ireland but we need it to come into place in Northern Ireland. So we do hope the bill will be recalled. Um, the Domestic Abuse Committee will be um, recalled as part of that bill but what we need is an MP, a local MP in Northern Ireland that will sit on that committee mm -hmm. to push this through, to push equal legislation and really robust legislation to come through because if the full 
domestic abuse bill came into place, um, it really, it would give people actual confidence in our criminal justice system here in Northern Ireland. And going through the criminal justice system isn't the answer to everything, and we totally get that. But to have equality, to have equal measures, training would have to be rolled out for our police service, for other statutory um, support providers as well, and we welcome that, to have training and to let people know that um, we are, you know, willing to... Um, go ahead with this legislation. But it has to, um, you know, it actually contravenes um, our East, the Istanbul Convention as well. And it um, it's a contravention under Article 34 of the Convention. Um, and that is in relation to not having stalking and harassment legislation as well in place in Northern Ireland. And we don't have domestic abuse isn't an offence. We're still using very, very old legislation. So coercive control, we've seen it rolled out in England and Wales. We've seen it successfully being prosecuted because people were worried that how do you prove that? How do you prove? prove that there's coercive and controlling behaviour happening um, in a relationship um, because at the moment it has to be physical and there has to be evidence of that, you know, through GPs, through police, through whatever it may be, um, to bring that case um, forward. So our police now are wearing body-worn cameras, which we welcome, and the police response is improving. As you know, we've had the highest reported number of um, police crimes in Northern Ireland at the moment, over 31,000 this year, equating to just over 6,000 crimes. But if we break that down, um, there's not as many cases going through to our public prosecution service and not, you know, how many cases are actually going through the system where someone is being um, prosecuted for that crime. We also have to look at sentencing and I welcome, there's a consultation out at the moment with regard to the Department of Justice. Please go and look it up and respond and um, because the we can't blame everything on our judiciary because we have to look at the sentencing guidelines that they're working with and we would welcome coercive control because that can strengthen the sentence. So we really need it to be um, put into place um, here in Northern Ireland but we will just wait and see now in relation to the general election. And we would hope that the bill, the bill just is not robust enough without, you know, unless we have all of the other provisions, we want parity, fairness and equality for all victims of domestic violence and abuse in Northern Ireland. Absolutely. And I think we can all agree that the legislation needs updated. And I'd really encourage all students um, to get behind this and to share um, the stuff that women's aid are sharing on social media and to um, raise more attention because this is really an urgent matter. Um, I've also been seeing that you've been doing a 16 days of activism, um, which just ended yesterday. Would you like to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, the 16 days of action is uh, an opportunity for all organisations trying to promote, um, I suppose the 16 days of action is around eliminating all forms of violence against women and girls. So... In the absence of any strategy in Northern Ireland for violence against women and girls or a minister or any provisions at all, all of the um, strategies and the definitions that we work with in Northern Ireland are gender neutral. And we would really like that to change as well. We would love a policy to be implemented in relation to violence against women and girls because it is a gender-based um, crime 
and we have to be mindful of that. So that's something we're we're constantly campaigning on um, as well. But in relation to the 16 days of action this year, we wanted to do something different and we really wanted to celebrate the work of Women's Aid across the whole region. So we involved all of our nine local Women's Aid groups and we wanted to highlight and showcase those workers on the ground doing the real work. So it was showing you a refuge worker, someone who was a child worker working with our children and young people doing such, um, you know, essential work. You know, we know that our children, they see it, they hear it, they feel it, they fear it, domestic violence and working with them. You know, domestic violence is now um, recognised as an adverse childhood experience and all of our workers in Women's Aid are trauma informed as well. So we were highlighting, we wanted people on one side who maybe were living day to day with domestic violence to see that worker on that screen and think, OK, actually, you know, I could speak to that person. I could pick the phone up. This is going to give me a voice and the courage to come forward. On the other side, we wanted funders and um, statutory providers and policymakers and legislators, although we don't have any of them at the moment, um, to to see the impact that domestic violence and abuse can have on individuals. But it was a celebration and it was highlighting through 16 films. There were 16 films for the 16 days and we would encourage you. They can all be found through all the local Women's Aid groups or indeed through the Women's Aid Federation um, Twitter and Facebook pages. And just they're, they're very, very short, but it's looking at everything from volunteering to policy and development to the importance of governance on our boards to refuge provision, children's provision, training, development, everything that we do to show you, um, you know, some of the work that we do, including some of the children's work, is our best kept secret. So it's about highlighting, showcasing that and celebrating um, all of the work that we do, not just during 16 days, but 365 days of the year in Northern Ireland. Absolutely. That is really incredible, the work um, that the people that work for Women's Aid do and really should be celebrated. Um, specifically, the support and advocacy services that you do and just your grassroots activities. Could you really tell us a wee bit about that and a bit more information? Okay, so we have a lot of work ongoing. All our refuges um, are across Northern Ireland and they can all be accessed through the website um, as well to show you that we cover every part of um, Northern Ireland. Currently this morning before I left the office, there was um, two bed spaces in the whole of Northern Ireland in over 300 bed spaces that we have in all our refuge provision. Some of our refuges are um, self-contained units um, and some of them are still communal living and refuge provision. Um, we have the biggest refuge here in South Belfast, but there's three if we're covering that kind of area. One in Lisburn, one in North Belfast, one in South Belfast. And then you can see on the map on our website where all the rest of them are placed. We have... Um, refuge workers within the refuge and then we have our children and young people's workers who work in directly in refuge as well. When a woman and children um, come into refuge they're allocated a key worker as well so they'll look at practical provision of how they can help and support that person whether it be rehousing um, you know, women can be in from one night to one year. It depends. You know, there's no length or limit um, to staying in a refuge. So the key worker is really important. We also have a trafficking project in Belfast and Lisburn Women's Aid as well. So um, that's a really important piece of the work. And there was um, a lot of women supported through that um, last year too. Um, 
Then within our outreach and floating support services, um, women can get support when they're staying in their own home. So they may still be in that relationship or they may be out of it. It, it doesn't matter to us in women's aid. And we can be very creative in the way that we would meet with an individual because for some people, for example, if there's three children, not allowed out of the house without with them all, you know, there's high risk involved whenever a woman is leaving or has left a relationship, that's whenever the risk is the highest. And we see that through some of the cases, the high profile cases, where women have ultimately lost their life because of domestic violence. Um, you know, there's Sally Challen case. Um, it was on a documentary um, this week, actually. And if we're looking back and just going back to course of control, um, her case was overturned then because of the new legislation that came in place in relation to course of control. There was no physical violence in that home. But whenever you actually go in and you hear the pre-trial and the trial and the lead up and everything, there was a huge amount of um, coercion, controlling, sexual violence, financial abuse, emotional abuse um, within that case. And for women who are coming in and needing to talk about that, domestic violence is shrouded in guilt and secrecy and shame. And it's very, very difficult for someone actually to seek out that help and think, OK, I need support here because you're opening it up, you're naming it, and then you have to do something about it. So we have women who would come to us, they minimise it, they would deny it as well. And sometimes that's around that self-protection. So it's really important when they come into women's aid that they are believed and they are heard and they are acknowledged. And any person, and I always take this from Sammy Woodhouse, who was a, a victim of um, childhood sexual exploitation through the Rotherham case that I'm sure you have all heard of. And she said, the moment um, you're believed and heard is whenever your healing begins. And that's the same for, for anyone who has experienced trauma, whether it be domestic violence or sexual violence. So it's really important the response that people get whenever they come into our services. But we have to be aware that there's a huge amount of awareness raising going on, which raises the profile, and then people are seeking out support. And without appropriate funding in place, we have waiting lists and people can't access support immediately. But it's great that people can get support in their own homes. And um, the outreach and the one-to-one -one work would go on with all children who are in whose mum is in service as well. So there's one-to-one -one or there's group work as well. We have um, a children's strategy and a children's participation strategy because our children and young people are so important. So we had a See Here Act conference and from that, we have a 10-year strategy, which is ruled out. And we have focus groups with our children and young people. We use their voices to, you know, that lived experience of domestic violence is the most powerful thing for women, children and young people. And they inform all of our services. So that's a big part of ours work as well around participation and um, hearing those voices so they can inform us and we can go on to tailor our services to meet their need. That's really how the helpline began in the first place as well. And it came out of research by Monica McWilliams called Bringing It Out in the Open. And it was also through women that said they would like a, a helpline service, you know, because some people didn't need to um, or want to go into a centre or couldn't access, you know, that kind of support as well. Court support as well 
is great. As I said, some people could be in the family court, they could be in criminal proceedings, they could also be going through, you know, um, child contact, they could be going for a breach of an order, all these things ongoing and to and fro and back to court. So we need, um, we welcome the domestic violence listings, a specialist court that has been piloted in um, the FOIL area and that reduces time limits. They have specialised prosecutors in relation to domestic and sexual violence. And also um, Judge um, McElholm up there is so um, supportive as well. And that's really what you need a champion um, to um, to rule this out. And we would welcome that happening in other um, courts throughout Northern Ireland as well, because it is a very, very difficult process. So having that court support is brilliant. To have a third party, to be your eyes and ears, to ask those questions that you don't think of asking because court um, court is so daunting and I've attended with women before and I've wanted to run out the back door so it's looking at um, you know rooms and spaces for people to go and that all the court from security right up to everyone is informed about domestic violence and the risks that there are from sharing of information to accessibility all of those things is really, really important. So we provide an awful lot of um, frontline core support services. Some of it is in crisis through refuge, but some of it then is long-term work, including some of our programmes. And that's really important for people trying to rebuild themselves because people say they lose their whole sense of self. Any emotional abuse when people are telling you, crap, you're useless, you're this, you're that, constantly, you start to believe that and your self-esteem and confidence goes so we do look a lot at that grief and loss because it is the loss of a, a relationship and people mourn that as well, you know, because they, they still love that person. They just want that violence to end. So domestic violence is it's very complicated. It's very, very difficult. And trying to parent through it is very, very difficult as well. Then if we look at um, um, other extra layers around disability, around um you know, older women around sexual orientation, there are added layers, you know, that people have too, um, that we need to um, make sure we um, acknowledge as well. Wow, the work you do really is incredible and it's just so immense and there's just so many things you do. It's I can't, even, can't hardly get my head around it all. Um, but moving on to how students can get involved and just support this and get alongside this because this is just so vital and so crucial. And um, I really think that there um, there must be ways students can get um, involved. There's a great project in Foil Women's Aid. I know we're, we're in Queen's today, but um, they have... Um, through um, the Law Institute up there, they um, have a number of um, students doing pro bono work and it's absolutely fabulous with regard to the introduction of that service. But if we're looking at um, locally, um, all of our refuges and our advice centres throughout Northern Ireland are always looking for volunteers. And um, your local women's aid group can be contacted by just, um, you know, doing a Google search of your local group and they would have different um, times where they have volunteer training. Also, always looking for, um, you know, activists and people to help us whenever we have any campaigns ongoing as well. But there's different volunteering roles through helping out in refuge, helping out in advice centres, more administrative work. And um, lots of, you know, women's aid was a volunteer led and is a volunteer led organisation you know our board are all volunteers so that's another option um, all of the boards of women's aid are all um, volunteers 
um, too. So there's a lot of um, different options. The court support programme as well is always looking for volunteers too. Also researchers, we're always looking for good pieces of research around um, domestic violence and abuse because that really backs up our work that we can go to um, funders and um, policy makers to say, well, here, this is it in black and white. So the research bit is really important as well. Also sharing, liking all of our thing, you know, raising awareness on um, all of our social media platforms as well is such a, a vital part of our work. Belfast and Lisburn and Women's Aid are always present at all the, the freshers' fairs as well to give people more information. But it's just about contacting your local Women's Aid group and there's plenty of opportunities and we're always looking for... Um, volunteers. Thank you. I think it's so important that we just don't turn a blind eye to this. Um, and thank you so much for sharing all this. It's been so informative for myself. I feel like I've learned a lot. Um, so remember to follow Women's Aid on Twitter and Facebook and everything else, and also LawPod as well. But that's all for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And um, that's it. <laughs> thank you. <laughs>